Everybody and welcome back to Bob Z Uncut Community Views, and we like to um, welcome back to our show uh, the Sheriff of Norfolk, Joe Barron. Uh, this is if you if you survived the first time, then you ran the gauntlet and you back again. So that must be pretty good. That says a lot about you. Um, but he's up for re-election in a big election we have uh, November the second. So I want to. Um, you know, talk to him about his plans and what he's done and what he's most proud of. So, uh, well, let's get it started. Uh, you are running for re-election as sheriff of the city of Norfolk. Uh, can you tell us some of the things that you are m- most proud of from your last term? Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. There's, there's lots to be proud of uh, that we've been able to accomplish over the last four years. Um, you know, probably too much to, to cover in one show, and I'd love to come back, obviously, and, and cover them all. Uh, but, you know, the highlights for me is, you know, what I've been able to do for my staff, uh, improving their benefits, improving their pay. Uh, you know, when I took over, you know, uh, staff morale was a little bit low uh, because of pay issues. And um, we, you know, I was able to work in partnership with the city uh, to get uh, them from a 1.7 multiplier for their retirement to 1.85. Uh, and from 2017 to, to now, to current, uh, they've gone from start and pay uh, is increased by about $11,000. We still have a ways to go uh, to get us uh, to be competitive with Virginia Beach and Chesapeake. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, we're very close uh, to that magic number for me. Uh, the other thing that I'm very proud of is uh, some of our inmate programs and our community programs. You know, uh, the... the one program that stands out to me is our uh, vocational uh, work release program, which is the automotive program uh, in partnership right. with Priority Automotive and um, TCC, and now it's going to be Votech, uh, where we're teaching inmates uh, auto mechanic skills, uh, certificate-based, so that when they get out, they have the certificates to go with them. Uh, they're offered a full-time job, full-time pay, full-time benefits. Uh, they're not required to go with Priority Automotive, they can go wherever they want, um, uh, but uh, Mr. Dennis Elmer offers them wow. all those things. Okay. And it's been transformative for some of the inmates. In fact, one of the inmates that went through the program uh, is the top producing mechanic at Priority Automotive, period. Wow. And, and so uh, in his first year out, he was making over $70,000 mm. uh, a year, and uh, which which is pretty good right That'll out of the gate. That'll change your life, yeah. yeah. The other program <laughs> that I'm really proud of is uh, a brand-new program called Camp Hope. And, um, you know, we have the summer camps and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Uh, but, uh, you know, across the country, there's, there's Camp Hopes in other states. Virginia didn't have one. And I'm the first sheriff in the country to start a Camp Hope. Oh, wow. Uh, and I started the very first Camp Hope. In the in- nation? In the nation. Okay. Uh, yeah, so they got Camp Hopes other places, but other entities uh, mm-hmm. start uh, have the Camp Hopes. Um, camp Hope is all about uh, our youth who uh, have been negatively impacted by violence in our, in our communities, and that whether that's domestic violence or some other kind of violence. And uh, the idea is to bring youth together that all have that experience 
uh, because they're all feeling some way about it, you know, and they're feeling whether they have anger or resentment or fears or, um, you, know, you know, challenges that they're trying to overcome because of those experiences. Uh, we bring them together in a week-long camp, uh, and they get to share their experiences, but they also get to uh, overcome challenges on, you know, um, different, different, you know, events that we have going on during the camp, which helps them create those skills, right? And then every single month, my staff has mentoring sessions with them uh, for a full year, and then we invite them back to the camp again next year. Uh, and when they age out, we invite them back to be camp counselors. Uh, it's an evidence-based program, and it's a trauma-informed camp. Okay. Uh, and it's very successful. That's key, that, 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 that trauma-informed. In case some of you don't know what trauma-informed means, it's, it's actually, um, I guess the old behavior-based studies was like uh, saying what's wrong with them. Right. And trauma-informed care says what happened to them. Right. So that's very important that, you know, we try to educate you guys on. You hear trauma-informed care. Uh, a lot of times you don't understand. I mean, I know some, you know, I, 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 I jokingly say I still got trauma from Emmett Till. But, you know, I, got, I have trauma from some stuff that I don't even know that was traumatizing, um, which is, leads me to a segue. Um, when you were talking about you're the uh, only sheriff's um, department, you know, the rest have been other law enforcement entities. And I just know when we were kids, man, we just saw lights. <laughs> Well, it wasn't law enforcement entities, really, Bob. What it was, was it? Uh, it's like YMCA's and things oh, like different that. organizations, Other, uh, different Not, organizations, but no sheriff's department, right? Okay. Well, I was see, I was about to lead all the way in and say, well, we just we just saw lights, man. We didn't know it was the police, the sheriff. I mean, we just kids, you know. We just we just automatically had a um, a inclination to run. We didn't know, we, uh, and, and so my question is i guess people just think of the sheriff sometimes as uh and we go back to the wild wild west and the sheriff is just people who locks people up uh just for our listeners and viewers uh that may not be in the know you know what are the chief duties of the sheriff as compared to someone uh let's say like the police chief yeah oh yeah that's a great question you get that a lot in civic leagues uh, so the main difference between you know in a city Mm -hmm. uh, the main difference between a sheriff's office and the police department is the police department, they're your first responders. They're, the, they're your uh, primary law enforcement uh, for the city. So like the Norfolk Police Department is the primary law enforcement for the city of Norfolk. You call 911 because uh, somebody stole something mm -hmm. out of your car, the police are going to come. Or if you have an accident, the police are going to come. Uh, to investigate that accident. The sheriff's office, my duties, uh, you know, are really confined uh, to running the, the jail. Uh, if a city has a jail, the sheriff runs the jail. Uh, number two is doing uh, court security. Mm -hmm. So the bailiffs and the screeners and all that that are in our consolidated courthouse, they all work for me. Uh, and civil process. So when right. a uh, court issues a court order, uh, you know, it's the sheriff's deputies that are carrying out that order or delivering uh, subpoenas and, uh, and those kind of things. Um, so that, and that's what the sheriff's office does. But I, I do a little more, you know, uh, because we also do community outreach, mm -hmm. uh, which is not constitutionally required for right. me to do. I also provide inmate programs, like okay. one I've already discussed, which is not, uh, not required of a sheriff to do. Uh, but it only makes sense because 96% of the inmates in my care 
are coming back to our community. Right. So how they come back, Bob, is sometimes based on what we do while they're in there. Right. Well, you brought up a very, uh, a very good word that a lot of our constituents, a lot of people watching and listening don't understand when you say constitutional, because we have, uh, I think it was a commissioner of revenue, the treasurer, the sheriff, and the commonwealth attorney. Yes. Those are our constitutional. And the clerk of the court. And the clerk of the court. Those are our constitutionally elected officers. Uh, I, what's the difference? Define that for sure. us. Sure. So uh, constitutional officers means that it's in the Constitution of Virginia that mm-hmm. each locality will have a sheriff, uh, you know, a treasurer, you know, uh, you know, the commissioner of revenue and so forth, and a commonwealth attorney. Um, a chief of police, for example, is um, selected by or hired by, uh, you know, a city manager who obviously who runs the city right. uh, in Virginia, um, and uh, the city manager is hired by city council. Uh, so uh, the chief of police answers to city management, mm-hmm. uh, and I, as elected official, I answer to the citizens of Norfolk. Okay, very very good distinction, very good distinction. So uh, let's just say it's a small, very small uh, township or something like that. Do they have to have, they don't have to have a um, chief of police, but they have to have yeah. a sheriff. Yeah, uh, so a township will have, like Isle of White County. Mm-hmm. Uh, Isle of White County doesn't have a police department. Right. Uh, but they have a sheriff's office that uh, does their uh, law enforcement. Okay. And he's okay. the primary so- law enforcement. I get it now. Yeah. Okay, that's 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 important. Um, one of the things that I want to uh, ask you, and, I, and I've been kind of like following, um, you know, some of the progress. We, we've talked a number of times, and I've, I've been following you and following what what your um, organization has been doing. But one of the questions I wanted to address was that: um, Will you introduce some new initiatives that will benefit the city of uh, Norfolk if reelected? Yeah, I think uh, we, we continue with the initiatives we've already started. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're already looking at new initiatives that we're bringing to the table. Uh, you know, that when you say benefit the citizens of Norfolk, anything that we do uh, for the betterment of people that are in my jail that are coming back to our community is for the betterment of citizens of Norfolk. Uh, you know, so for example, um, we are. are we now have uh, a partnership with Tidewater Community College. They're going to bring one of the new initiatives. They're going to bring uh, college courses uh, into the jail. We already have uh, one of the, you know, uh, we've already greatly expanded our GED uh, education program. We've got more inmates uh, getting their GED than ever before. Mm-hmm. TCC is seeing that, and, uh, you know, and they, they are coming uh, to bring college courses. But they're also... Uh, bring in additional job skills courses. So that I get focused on uh, four things with our inmate programs. One is education, mm-hmm. because you know, because you've taught criminal justice, and I right. know that about you, uh, is one of the determining factors of what you know uh, may lead someone to be incarcerated is their education level. And if you don't have a GED or high school diploma, you're like nine times more likely right. to end up in jail right. than anyone else. Uh, so the GED program is extremely important. Uh, education programs are. The other is job skills. Uh, there mm. was a study uh, that was done throughout the country of finding neighborhoods with the highest incarceration rates. Right. Norfolk has one of those neighborhoods that's like number three in the nation in incarceration, and they attribute it to 
uh, job skills, job opportunities, and education level as the causes uh, for the high incarceration. So for me, that study was telling. And then, you know, I got focused on that, and I got focused on job skills training. And we're, that's one of my initiatives is to bring additional job skill programs to uh, the sheriff's office and our inmate programs, education programs, uh, mental health programs, and substance abuse programs. So all those are really important, uh, you know, initiatives. But the other thing that we just, uh, you know, got signed up on, which is a new initiative, uh, which will carry into the next four years, is for the first time in the history mm -hmm. of the sheriff's office, um, the DEA and the FBI have asked the sheriff's office to be participants in their task force, mm. which allows the sheriff's office to good? play a role. Well, <laughs> no. it is good. Saying, yeah, I yeah, mean, I'm just saying, yeah. you know, like... Well, it's good, one, that, you know, we're, we're, we're partnering, uh, you know, with agencies... Uh, that, you know, are trying to ensure that our city is safer. Right. Uh, and so, I, and whenever there's um, a division, you know, so when there's um, funds that come from that, the sheriff's office will be able to get some of the funds related to that. Why is that important to you? Because as a taxpayer, guess what? You don't have, the city doesn't have all the funds it needs right. for our aging facility uh, to, you know, do everything that they probably need to do. You know, uh, doesn't always have all the funds because they have so many competing interests for mm -hmm. the funds uh, to, like, invest in, in radios and, you know, and that kind of thing, so. My only, okay, and the reason why you heard me, like, grunt, is like my only, yeah. my only concern is that we've coming out of a, a, a time of, um, just, you know, a lot of police uh, issues within the community. And, you know, I don't want to say, like, well, you know, over-policing, but some, some of the stuff that, that we've witnessed has just been horrific. And when you say, well, the, you know, the feds are going to now partner with the sheriff's office, I mean, I, I want to get the criminals off the street. Don't Let's, you know, let's make that perfectly sure. clear. But I just don't want to see um, a return to... Um, you know, just, you know, some of the stuff that we've, and it's just kind of almost a relaxed, uh, I guess, and just from my perspective, uh, again, with the um, marijuana laws being changed and some of the laws being changed about frivolous police stops and all those kind of things, I mean. Four years ago when I took over as sheriff, one of the mm -hmm. very first things I did was I changed our motto. And I expect our employees to live by that motto. And that motto is very simply, the Norfolk Sheriff's Office serves in the spirit of the golden rule. Treat others the way you wish to be treated. Right. I've been in law enforcement for 36 years, and it is my belief that if we all just did that, mm -hmm. we would have a better relationship with our community. Treat people with respect. Treat people with dignity. Treat others the way you want to be treated. And at the end of the day, I've, I've tasked my employees to behave that way. If Whenever they don't behave that way, they don't need to either work for me or they will be held accountable. So I think what's important is, one, you have that leadership, and whether it's a police department or a sheriff's office or anywhere in law enforcement, is that you have leadership that understands that simple rule and, two, holds your employees accountable right. appropriately, uh, but at the same time ensuring that you're doing what you can to lift morale because with morale's high, they're more likely to be of a good nature in treating people 
positively than negatively. Right. And 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 really, like I said, I I applaud you because I mean, I've just watched, and every time I turn around and I look at and see something on social media, something where somebody's uh, getting promoted, either uh, somebody of different gender, different uh, you know um, minority status or something, I'm like, well, okay, you know, I mean, that's 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 good to see. It's refreshing. So I mean, like I said. I'm I'm going I'm gonna give it to you uncut. I'm gonna tell it like I see it, and okay. that's and that's what I see. And so, mm-hmm. you know, there's no need not. But I do remember the last time we talked. I mean, it was crazy, uh, Joe. It's like the height of the pandemic when we were talking last time. It's like, man, what y'all doing to keep people? Because <laughs> it was like, yeah. I mean, it was crazy. It was actually particularly in institutions. I mean, they closed the schools. Obviously, you couldn't close the jail, you know. But um, you know, you did a lot. I think with like. Um, Prisoner release and all that. So let me just ask you this question: What is um, is COVID still an issue, and, and how are you doing? Uh, how do you fare? Uh, I guess versus the height of the pandemic. I think well, we're doing very well, and in fact, I think we're a model uh, regionally uh, for how to you know respond with the jail population. Mm-hmm. Uh, currently, I think we have one uh, inmate who just recently. Uh, you know, uh, tested positive. We are we're very aggressive in how we respond uh, to someone who's not feeling well mm-hmm. and separating them, uh, and then you know, and putting blocks on um, you know quarantine, you know, so that you know there's no chance of spreading and paying attention right. to uh, you know the the well-being of the inmates that are in quarantine to see if anyone else develops you know symptoms. We have not had an outbreak since April of 2020, mm. uh, and that was, you know, March March of 2020. I had a meeting with my staff, and we we laid out a plan on how we were going to respond to COVID-19. And I said to him, I said, it's not if it's going to get in the jail; it's going to get in the jail. It's a matter of how do we reduce the risk of it getting into the jail, and then how do we respond? And so we created a plan. Uh, including turning our process around uh, in booking. We stopped visitation. Uh, we stopped, uh, you know, uh, personal contacts with, um, you know, attorneys coming in the jail, contractors coming in the jail, anything that we could control, uh, you know, of, of non-sheriff's office personnel coming into the jail who could carry the virus into our facility, we restricted that. We still gave full access to uh, inmates to uh, have contact with their uh, with their counsel, uh, but we did it through video, uh, and you know, and then we went. We had April. We had an outbreak that I think had like 40 inmates, but it was all in one block. Mm. None of them, except for two people, had symptoms. They mm. were all asymptomatic, and then the two that had symptoms had uh, light. Uh, or I I should say a low grade fevers and that's it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so from that point, I was able to get help uh, from uh, Sentara and from the health department and they came in and we tested the entire facility and we tested, uh, we tested all of our employees. So we knew what our starting point was. So we knew who, who had it, who didn't have it. And if anybody had it, you know, if it was an employee, we sent them home. They were on quarantine. Uh, and I think at, at some point we had like 12 employees that had it. Uh, but we learned the process. We learned how to, uh, to identify it uh, and how to 
have hot zones, warm zones, and the cold zones, you know. And, uh, and then eventually CDC came out with their recommendations, and uh, we were pleased that almost everything that we were doing was within those recommendations. Well, well what about your staff? Are they like, is, is the vaccination required, or what is the deal with, with yeah. that? No, um, no, I don't require it. I've had the vaccination. I've had COVID. I've had COVID. I've had the vaccination. When the booster comes out, I'm getting it. I'm leading by example. I'm encouraging staff to get it. Um, you know, I just I feel a particular way about uh, requiring people to do something with their body. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, um, but you know, now that Pfizer's uh, shot has been fully approved, you know, uh, we we're, we keep putting out messages uh, for people to get a vaccine. I have some I have some employees that on religious grounds that they don't do it, you know? And uh, so, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to walk the fine line of employee morale mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, uh, taking care of my employees and taking care of the inmates in my care. Okay. Well, um, I know that's really a touchy subject. Uh, I know uh, I work in the schools, so they just put out a mandate that, you know, all teachers and everyone, and... I'm glad to tell you because I'm like, man, it's like, it's so many kids. I have to like stick my hand out and say, hey, there's a three foot <laughs> barrier when you come to talk to me because they like to walk up on me. I'm like, nah, not to stay. And it's 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 like um, when you look at the last frontier for it. I mean, the kids are all right, like, you know, it's trickled down to that. So I'm I'm, I'm glad, but um. I know it's a touchy issue. It's a political issue. It's been politicized heavily. So yeah. we'll see. We'll see where that goes. Um, my next question is, um, I guess dealing with the black community, and it's a, you know, as far as uh, I see, it's always been overrepresented in the jails and in the courts and in the criminal justice system. It's like I mean, it's like even if it's like we're thirteen percent, we're like 60, 50, 60 percent of the criminal justice system on the wrong side, not the lawyers and the judges, but, you know, the people that are facing charges. And so what, what, um, what does your community outreach look like, and what improvements are you willing to consider if reelected? Uh, so uh, community outreach, you know, I, I mentioned, you know, uh, our work uh, with uh, Camp Hope, uh, but the other thing that we've done is we have the uh, Senior Support Services Seminar that I created uh, which I copied from uh, Chesapeake, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and that's part of our outreach and connecting senior citizens to uh, services in the community they may not otherwise get uh, connected to. Uh, but, you know, uh, we, we participate in, uh, you know, just about, you know, every event that that's brought to our attention. Right. Uh, you know, uh, recently, um, you know, Bilal Muhammad uh, called me and asked me to participate in a Stop the Violence, uh, you know, event, which I participated in. Um, I think these events are good, and I think it's about, you know, bringing attention to these problems. Uh, and, you know, I'm committed to continue to be in the community, which I have been for the last four years, going to civic leagues. Uh, going out into, you know, going over to Berkeley on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. they, they used to say, oh, we never see the sheriff's office in Berkeley. Well, they see the, they see me over in Berkeley. You know, uh, in fact, I was over there with uh, uh, Pee Wee uh, earlier today, you know, and, and right. having conversations with them, uh, who's the mayor of 
of Berkeley. Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I know, know, I know him well. Yeah, um, but for me, I'm I'm open to any anything that you know connects us better with the community. For me, it starts with our values uh, and communicating to the community in a way that's transparent, and uh, and then making myself available. And I'm always available. Like you call me, you say, "Hey, you want to come on?" You know, so I'm here. So okay. Well, we're talking with Joe Barron, the sheriff of Norfolk, and we'll be back. We got to let our sponsors have they say. We'll be back in two and two. I'm Hala Ayala. My story is a Virginia story. Night shifts, minimum wage, pregnant, with no health care. But with a little help and a lot of hard work, I built a career and a middle-class life. So when I got to Richmond, I made it my mission to ensure hardworking Virginians have that same opportunity. As Lieutenant Governor, I'll build on that record to attract more good-paying jobs so every family thrives. Love First Marriage Movement, where we work with couples virtually all over the world to transition from a place of pain to genuine peace and resilience from the inside out. We help them by sharing our own marital rags to marital bliss journey. Check us out at lovefirstmarriagemovement.com. the issues facing our city through the lens of equity and social justice. Hello, I'm Danica Royster, Norfolk City Councilwoman, Super Ward 7. I represent a new generation of leadership of Norfolk, a new voice, a new energy to tackle the tough issues we're facing, like gun violence, affordable housing, job creation, and helping our youth become productive citizens. Committed, compassionate, service that is accountable, prudent, and transparent. Vote on November 2nd, Danica Royster for Norfolk City Council, Super Ward 7. Welcome to Comedic Services, LLC. We provide supportive in-home and residential group home services in the Hampton Roads area, including Williamsburg, Franklin, Zunai, Tuano, and Southampton County. Our offices are located at 2428 Almeda Avenue, Suite 170 in Norfolk, Virginia, and at 601 North Mechanic Street in Franklin, Virginia. Comedic Services, LLC is a commission on accreditation of rehabilitation facilities, CARF, accredited service. Our motto is fostering a culture of service and advocacy for humanity. Our job is to keep Virginia safe. And we know the truth about Terry McAuliffe's record. When Terry McAuliffe was governor, Virginia was the fourth safest state in America. That's right, the fourth safest. And Terry increased funding and training for police. It's Glenn Youngkin who worries us. Glenn Youngkin wants to roll back gun safety laws, including background checks. Letting violent criminals have more access to guns putting our lives at risk. It's Glenn Youngkin who's a real threat to our safety. I'm Terry McAuliffe, candidate for governor, and I sponsored this ad. Hello and welcome back to Bob's The Uncut Community Views, a podcast where we give it to you just like we get it. We get it straight from the hip and we're going to give it to you that way. So we're here talking with Joe Barron, the sheriff of Norfolk, and he's running for re-election and he's in here telling us some good stuff about what he's been doing and what he proposes to do. Uh, my next question to you is, about um, my favorite word is transparency. Uh, transparency, um, just uh, with one particular entity, and I just want to know um, with the um, operations at the Hampton Roads Regional Jail, and I just want to kind of like, where was our partnership with that facility, and what changes do you feel need to be implemented? 
Okay, um, let me just make sure. So, when it comes to operations, so where am I at with the Hampton Roads Regional Jail? Yeah, are we? Uh, I've pulled all my inmates out of the Hampton Roads really? Regional Jail. Really? Okay. Yes. So, um, I'm still on the board, you know, uh, mm -hmm. because that's part of their, um, I guess, bylaws or, right, you know, the, right. the creation have to have of it. Somebody. Um, but the Regional Jail um, was never uh, an operation that I never signed on to. Mm -hmm. You know, when I got elected as, as sheriff, there wasn't a process in which right. to, you know, uh, to add me onto it. Uh, so I'm not a signer to the agreement, but, uh, and there were certainly um, uh, things going on that were concerning to me. Right. You know, uh, the deaths of inmates, uh, the, the level of uh, staffing over there, um, safety and security, uh, you know, and so I, at some point I felt like the inmates that we had over there um, may not have been in the you know, best um, place to be for their safety and security. Um, and so I brought them back. Okay. And so I, I don't have any inmates at the Hampton. If I do, I, I think I have four inmates left over there, uh, but they're state responsible. They don't have any city charges left. Well, hey, say less. You know, um, that's right. good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So um, here's the, um, the recent law giving um, city employees the right to organize was passed by the General Assembly last year. Um, I, I got a full disclosure. I called the Sheriff's Department, and I was talking to some people about, you know, and so, um, and, and I talked to a couple of people, and was like, where do you stand on your employees as far as uh, the right to uh, collective bargaining with, um, within the department? Yeah, so um, the, the new law doesn't apply to sheriff's offices. Okay. And there's, there's a reason for it. Uh, okay. The sheriffs don't have any control over pay and benefits or, or, those, or those kind of things for employees, which is generally, you know, uh, you know what you know, unions are pushing for. Right. Now, if I could control their pay and benefit, one, my staff would be better paid. All I can do is advocate for better pay and benefits. The other, the other things that twist and turns uh, for sheriffs are, uh, for like me, you know, I'm a sheriff's office that has, is supplemented by the city. Mm -hmm. We get additional pay for our employees uh, that's a supplement coming from the city. The city does not have to do that. They're not required to do that. And uh, there's a state portion of compensation, and then the city offers supplement on the other part. Um, for me, if my employees, like you talk about collective bargaining, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I, if order for them to collectively bargain, mm -hmm. they would have to do that with our legislators and you know the senators mm -hmm. and our uh, house representatives because they're the ones that control whether deputies get raises or not. They're the ones that control where their benefits. Uh, the levels of their benefits, so whether or not they get um, additional health care, right? We're in city health care because of the supplement, uh, but the state controls all monies related to that stuff. So um, if, like the 1.85 multiplier we just had, mm -hmm. it was an option that legislators created for cities to be able to opt into. Last year, I was able to convince city uh, council to opt into the 1.85 multiplier versus the 1.7. What does but that it was mean? An option. You know? 
For I mean, for um, oh yeah, sure. What is the multiplier? And because so people for, are like, what does it mean, man? Right. Well, yeah. uh, so it's the percentage of what you earn for each year that you're working mm-hmm. in the sheriff's office going towards your retirement. Okay. So you're getting one point seven for each year that you're working, mm-hmm. you know, at the sheriff's office towards your retirement. Now it's one point eight five. The legislators, when they created the law, could have made it a requirement of 1.85 versus an option, mm. but they made it an option. So those are the kind of things. So if you collect it to be part of a union and you want to have collective bargaining in a sheriff's office, you would have to be able to collectively bargain with your state legislators. There's the ones that can control the purse strings. And then you would have to be able to collectively bargain with the governor who either vetoes or passes that, you know, with their signature. The sheriff doesn't have any control over that. Well, well what's the national model? Because, okay, let's say all the sheriff employees say, the deputies say, we're going to strike. We ain't coming to work. We're going to have a sick out. I mean, yeah. who would, you know, what, would just fire everybody and hire everybody? I mean, how would that, Yeah. you know, that, yeah. I'm just trying to figure it out just from the, uh, you know, I don't think, I think from the national perspective that there's, this is not the first time that sheriff's employees have been organized. But, you know, I get what you're saying. Uh, I don't think we have any sheriff's offices in Virginia that uh, are organized. Okay. I'm a supporter of unions. You know, okay. In fact, my literature, you know, is, you know, printed. Comes, is printed from unions, from economy printing over in Portsmouth. Um, the, I know Scott. Yeah, and, you know, so... I'm a support. When I was on the police department, you know, we had the police union, you know, and uh, so I'm a supporter of unions, always have been, because they brought a lot of good uh, to all workers, you know, the eight-hour workday, the 40-hour work week, you know, uh, you know, all these things are important, you know, you, what happens in the work environment, very mm. important stuff. Um, for me, that's why I've been so vocal as an advocate for my employees. I'm here. Uh, not to be served. I'm here to serve others, and my employees are part of that. Okay. Well, um, this is your portion of the show. Uh, remind our viewers and listeners why they should vote for you, and also if you have a website, let us know what it is. Well, uh, they should vote for me because experience matters. I have 36 years in law enforcement here in Norfolk, and uh, 26 years with the police department, last 10 with the Norfolk Sheriff's Office, and the last four as your sheriff. Uh my candidate, I mean, my opponent only has five years experience in the in law enforcement. Uh, so that experience is important, but it's also important leadership-wise. I have over 20 years of leadership experience in law enforcement. Plus, I'm a, a U.S. veteran. And here's the more important thing. I'm getting the job done. And I'm getting the job done in a big way. You know, I've, I've improved programs. They're evidence-based programs for our inmates. I've taken care of our employees. I've gotten them better pay, gotten them better benefits, and their morale is higher today than it was four years ago. And I've created unique inmate programs and community-based programs. And I got focused. I got focused on one thing, making a difference. How can I make a difference in the lives of others as far as we can reach? And in fact, I made that our vision statement at the Norfolk Sheriff's Office. The Norfolk Sheriff's Office purpose is to make a difference in the lives of others. And that's what I did. And that's what you get from me as your sheriff. Uh, you can look me up at joebaronforsheriff.com. Uh, you can reach me on my cell phone number, 757-270-8205, if you need to call me or contact me. Uh, and I have always made myself available to the community. All right. 
We have been talking to Sheriff of the City of Norfolk, Joe Barron. Oh, I do have one more thing to say. Okay, he has one more thing to say. We are hiring at the we Norfolk Sheriff's Office. I don't know if your camera can get it. We are hiring. Yeah, and if, yeah, and if anybody uh, wants a job at the Norfolk Sheriff's Office, we need deputies. Uh, they can go to www.norfolk-sheriff.com forward slash jobs. Or you can call at 757-664-4706. Okay. Once again, we've been speaking with Sheriff Joe Barron for the city of Norfolk. He's uh, up for re-election. So if you haven't already voted, make sure you get out and vote on November the 2nd. Uh, this is Bob Z from Bob Z Uncut Community Views. We'll see you next week.